This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Hello and welcome to another episode of Anchored in Christ. I'm Deborah Owen and for the first half dozen or so episodes of this podcast, we've had some wonderful conversations with the Reverend Dr. Sarah Singleton. We did that for a very particular reason and that was at the time that she was writing these sermons, she was struggling with an illness that prevented her from delivering them herself. So there were other people who were delivering her sermons, but because this is a podcast, we really wanted you to hear her voice uh, right from the beginning and uh, know who she is and where she's coming from and why these, um, these particular topics and sermons were important to her and what we really want you as our listeners and viewers to get out of this podcast. So um, we're going to actually stop doing those interviews now and let each of the sermons speak for themselves. And um, in the meantime, uh, we invite you to do two things. One is if you're in Newburyport, Massachusetts, please come find us at Old South Presbyterian on Federal Street. And secondly, even if you don't come to Massachusetts, please find us online at oldsouthnbpt.org. We look forward to meeting you one way or another. The second reading of scripture this morning is taken from the first letter of John, John, 1 John 5, verses 11 through 13. And let us listen to the reading of God's word. And this is the testimony God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Let's bow for prayer. Gracious God, we do seek to walk with you. We pray that you would guide and lead us during this time of worship. I pray that my words would be a blessing to you and those here. So we ask for your presence, we ask for your power, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. At our Growing Together class after worship a few weeks ago, Pastor Sarah asked each one of us what would we, what we would like to be, what we wanted to be as kids when we grew up. What was it we were hoping to be? And of course, people wanted to be various things when they were young that sometimes they actually became and sometimes they didn't become. When it got to me, I mentioned that I always wanted to be a cartoonist when I was a kid. That's what I thought I was going to do. And for a number of reasons, I didn't become a cartoonist, although I did do some cartooning up through uh, university days, some political cartoons and other th things like that. But God had other plans for me. But I still enjoy cartoons, and I'm sure probably some of you do, some of you do as well. I remember a cartoon I saw one time about eternal life. The cartoon showed a young mother in her kitchen. She's standing at the kitchen stove with a screaming child in her arms and two children running around the kitchen, hitting each other and yelling. The food on the stove is boiling over and the dogs are barking and the kitchen is an absolute mess. It's just utter chaos. And in the middle of all of this, a well-meaning young Christian man comes to her home 
rings the doorbell and says to her, Ma'am, are you confident you will have eternal life? As the woman looks around at the burning food, the barking dogs, the screaming kids, and all the mess and chaos around her life at that moment, she looks him straight in the eye and she says, Frankly, son, I don't think I could stand. Eternal life just doesn't sound very exciting right now. Ever since my older brother Steve died uh, last year, March of last year, I've been reflecting quite a bit on death and eternal life. And I suspect part of the reason for that is because I'm getting older with every birthday and I'm much closer to it than I used to be, quite frankly. In our scripture lesson this morning from 1 John, John, which we read just a moment ago, the Apostle John is also thinking about death and eternal life. In these few short verses, verses 11 through 13, John uses the word life or eternal life five different times, five different times. The word eternal John uses here comes from the Greek and literally means belonging to the age. That is, life which belongs to the age, to belonging to the age. That is, life which belongs to the age to come. In this short scripture text, John shares with us three important truths or insights about eternal life that I think are helpful for us to remember on this Sunday after Easter as we collectively together think about death in eternal life, especially this time of year. First of all, John reminds us that we do indeed die, but there is indeed life with God beyond this life. This life here in this world is not all the life there is. Look again at what he says in the first part of verse 11. And this is the testimony, he says, God gives us eternal life. Now what testimony is John referring to here? Well, this testimony, he mentions, testimony towards his son, which John has been developing in this letter. As he's been writing his, his letter, he's been developing this theme of God's testimony about his son, Jesus. But I think this word testimony can also be understood as John's own testimony. As you probably know, John was one of Jesus' 12 disciples he was one of what we call Jesus' inner circle, along with Peter and James. When we say inner circle, we mean John was one of those disciples who was with Jesus in some of the seminal moments of his ministry. He was there, for instance, at the transfiguration, when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain before three of his disciples. And so that experience gave John a unique close-up perspective as in a unique vantage point to really comprehend the ministry and message of Jesus. And along with Peter and James, John was an eyewitness of the things that had happened with Jesus and his ministry. And John says here that his testimony is this. God gives eternal life. You know, it seems like more and more people today are not at all certain about eternal life, what, what they believe about eternal life, or if they believe in it, they are not sure what it is or how to get it. 
Some people believe that once we die, we simply die. And that's it. There's no life after this life. There's nothing more to come. Paul McCartney, one of the Beatles, once said that when we die, we simply conk out. Conk out. I don't know exactly what he meant by that. But apparently, we just cease to exist. To exist, I guess. Others are skeptical about eternal life. Shock radio host Howard Stern once said this. He said, I hate to break it to you, but there is no God. Stern goes on to say this. He says, here's what happens when you die. You sit in a box and get eaten by worms. Well, that sounds cheery, doesn't it? Actually, most people, dead people, don't sit in the box or in the coffin. They lie. But uh, I won't quibble. Others are not sure what they believe, but want to cover the bases. Comedian Woody Allen once said this. He said, I don't believe in the afterlife, although I'm bringing a change of underwear just in case. He's also the one who said, I'm not afraid of my own death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. I picked up a book at the Newburyport Library book sale a few weeks ago, Heaven's Door, The Path to a Better Way of Death by Katie Butler. Maybe some of you have seen uh, the book. She wrote an article some time ago that got a lot of uh, press, and uh, the title sounded interesting, so I picked it up and read it. And the book basically describes Butler's experience caring for her dying father and the medical system that she really believed failed him. And in the book, Butler, Butler says this about the afterlife. She says, at my father's bedside, I drew no comfort from the notion that our family circle would ever be reconstituted in heaven. What I think she's saying there is that everybody who died, that they'd all come together somehow in heaven. She said, she grew no comfort from that. I believed that heaven was a myth, comforting stories for children afraid of the dark. And then she goes on and, and finishes by saying this. I believe that my father existed, my father existed only as long as the material conditions supporting his life existed. And that when these conditions disappeared, he too would disappear. That was the limit of my belief in eternal life. And frankly, as I read those that passage, those verses, those uh, words, I thought to myself, man, that's really sad. There's not much hope there. There's not much to look forward to in that view of life and the afterlife. There seems to be increasing numbers of people today who are not sure what they believe when it comes to life after this life. But John says that his testimony is this. There is life with God beyond this life. The second thing John says in this passage is thing John says in this passage is this. There is not only life with God beyond this life, but there is only one way to experience that life with God beyond this life, and that is through his son Jesus. Look again at what he says in 11, the latter part of uh, verse 11 and 12, he says, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. The entire New Testament 
affirms that Jesus came into this world and suffered and died on the cross and rose again from the dead, which we celebrated last Sunday on Easter, to offer us life beyond the grave, hope beyond this life, eternal life with God. This same truth is affirmed in the scripture Sarah read this morning from John's gospel, from John's gospel of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And we won't look at the whole thing, but and you remember the story, Lazarus, a friend of Jesus, had died, and his sister Martha comes to Jesus and says to Jesus, if only you had been here, my, my brother would not have died. And in response, Jesus assures her that Lazarus will live again. Martha says to him, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus says these great lines. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, though they die, yet will they live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And of course, right then and there, Jesus calls Lazarus forth, and Lazarus walks out of the tomb to the amazement of everyone, the dead. Um, I suspect that Martha remembered very strongly those, those words of Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. And I think Martha discovered in a very powerful way that Jesus can do what no one else can do. Debbie and I recently watched a movie called The Promise. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie The Promise. It actually didn't do very well at the box office. It cost $90 million to make. I think it made twelve or something, so it kind of slipped in and out. Um, but The Promise, this movie, is basically a, a, a love story set against the backdrop of, uh, the, um, of what is often referred to as the Armenian Genocide or Massacre carried out in the waning years of the Ottoman Empire uh, during uh, World War I in Turkey. And my grandmother was, actually had some Armenian background, so I was curious about the movie. I saw it there on Netflix. It was mostly a typical love story kind of movie. But at the very end of the movie, during the credits, the producers included a poem written by Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize-winning American writer William Sarayan, who was the son of Armenian uh, immigrants, apparently. So they had this poem that kind of fit the movie theme. I did a little bit of, of uh, studying of this guy, Sarah Han, and he died in 1981 at the age of 72. And according to his obituary, Sarah Han was admitted to Veterans Administration Hospital in Fresno after family members found him unconscious one time at his home. And five days before his collapse, Sarian had called the Associated Press. He'd worked a lot with the Associated Press and with news, news agencies, and he called the Associated Press to make this final statement for publication. After he called the Associated Press to make this final statement for publication after his death, and this is what he said. He said, "Everybody has got to die, but I have always believed an exception would be made in my case." Now what? Now what? I would guess there are probably many people today who are getting to the end of their lives and asking that question, now what? 
I know death is out there waiting for me, but I'm hoping that somehow, some way, there will be an exception for me. I don't know if any of you ever feel that way. Hoping there's an exception for me. Here's the bad news. We will all die one day. There are no exceptions, lest the Lord returns before we die. I'm sorry to break it to you if you didn't know that, but... But here is the, at Easter time, but really all throughout the year, that even though we die, because Jesus rose from the dead and lives, we too will live. For those who put their faith and trust and hope in Jesus Christ, death is not the last word pronounced over our lives, but life. Eternal life with the God who loved us, who made us and loved us and loves us, and wants to be in relationship with us. And all this is made possible, John tells us, because of Jesus. Look again at verse 13. John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This word know that John uses here indicates that this is not simply a theory or a guess or, or a guess or a hunch or a wild hope for John, but it's an absolute certainty. An absolute certainty. I used to teach Bible courses at Whitworth University. We've got uh, the Bible folks here from uh, Gordon College, and uh, I used to teach Bible courses there. And in my Life and Teachings of Jesus class, I used to tell my students that Christianity is the only faith that I know where the founder of the faith is absolutely central to the faith. Most faiths, most religions are mostly all about following some, kinds of, some kind of teachings or beliefs. Buddhists, for example, try to follow the teachings of Buddha. For Hindus, it's all about following the, the fourfold path, the four noble truths and the eightfold path. For Muslims, it's about faithfully following the five pillars. There's more to it, of course, than that, but I mean, that's a lot of, but, I mean, that's a lot of, of the faith. But for Christians, it's all about following a person. It's not about following certain teachings or beliefs, although those teachings and beliefs are absolutely important, no question about it, to follow. But what is really most important is following a person. It's all about a person. John says clearly in this passage that eternal life is all about Jesus. If you take Jesus out of Christianity, you have no Christianity. You have no eternal life. It is not so much about following a religious belief system as it is entering into a relationship with Jesus. The frazzled woman holding the screaming baby at the stove that I mentioned at the beginning of this message, could not begin to fathom the idea of her current life being eternal. And who could blame her? If you've ever been in that situation, and I'm sure many of us have, or a similar situation, you know what that is like. Eternal life, it's, if it's like this, just doesn't sound that very inviting. But this eternal life that John mentions here will not be like that. It will be a new and glorious life, a new and transformed existence, lived in the very presence of God that will, that will have some continuity with this life 
the life we live now for sure, but without the pain and the sorrow and the suffering and the limitations of this life. Sometimes people say, well, eternal life sounds kind of boring, sitting around in the clouds playing harps or whatever, some of the images we have in our minds. But that is not the kind of eternal life that John is talking about here. What he is testifying to, those who believe in Jesus, when they die, will go to be in his presence forever. We don't know all the particulars, but we, we know that. Time in eternity is probably not the same as time we experience in this life. And then someday, at the very end of time, at the end of the age when Jesus comes again, we too, like Jesus, will rise from the dead and receive new physical bodies fit for a new kind of bodily existence in a new and restored heaven and earth. Of course, those who die apart from Jesus will have a very different experience. Instead of being in the presence of God forever, the scripture says that they will spend an eternity apart from him. The third thing John says here, finally, is that this eternal life is not something that we only experience once we die. John says here, finally, is that this eternal life is not something that we only experience once we die, but is something we can enter into and begin to experience now in this life. Look again at verse 11. John says that God gave us eternal life, past tense. All of the New Testament affirms that when we come to know Jesus, we come to know eternal life. We don't have to wait until we die to enter into this eternal life that Jesus gives us. Those who believe in Christ can begin to experience it right away. Eternal life is something that engages us now. It makes a difference now. It is part of our life now. It is not just a future promise, but a present reality. This was made clear to me again this week. The pastor of the church emailed out to the congregation. I am on the email listserv, so I got the email, and uh, this is what he said. He said, last Sunday Easter was such a good morning of worship and celebration. A number of us went into this holiest of holidays feeling the poignancy of loss from recent deaths. For me, it was the first Easter without my dad. His dad actually died last fall, I believe. And the last one with my mother still in this world. His mother has an inoperable a brain tumor. And she probably will die any time. But he goes on to say this. He says, I was comforted to be in your company as together we lay claim to our belief in the resurrection of the body. I was also reminded, he says, that we don't have to wait to die to inherit eternal life. We are living the resurrection now. And now, isn't that a great thought? I thought, what a great thought. We are living the resurrection now. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly, not only in eternity, but now, today. There may be some of you here this morning who are not sure what you believe about eternal life, what you believe about eternity in general, what you believe even about Jesus. 
If so, John has some very encouraging news for you and for me and for all of us. John tells us that his testimony is this. We can indeed have abundant life here and eternal life with God by putting our faith and hope and trust in Jesus. Putting our faith and hope and trust in Jesus. John says, if it is eternal life you want, then it is Jesus you want. It is all about Jesus. Let's bow for prayer. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for what you have done for us. We can't even begin to comprehend it. We hear it so often, and yet sometimes it falls on deaf ears. We pray, Lord, that you open all of our hearts so that we might hear and receive this eternal life, not only in the life to come, but that abundant life now. What a great gift that is that we receive through faith by grace, through faith. And so, Lord, as we uh, the, uh, think about these things, help us to think about our own lives and what you have done for us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.